Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast, brought to you by HarperCollins Publishers. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love to an episode of Musings from 195. Do you like our atmospheric music? We're recording in a graveyard. (gasps) What was that? Something touched me. (laughs) 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 Don't worry, nothing's happening to you. It's all in the podcast. Well, that, <laughs> no other introduction is needed but that. But we decided we wanted to get into the fall spirit. It's officially October. And so all, all good October book things are coming our way. Hi, I'm Lainey. I'm Virginia. And I'm Chris. Oof. Chris is bringing the dramatic voice for this episode. Um, later on, we're going to call um, a good librarian friend, Greg Windsor, for our page of librarian section. But before that, we thought we would bring scary reads. <laughs> so, <laughs> my mommy. <laughs> so, who wants to start with their scary read? Shall I set us off? Yes, yes scary man. All right. Uh, hi, this is Chris. I'll be reading from Full Throttle by Joe Hill, which is a collection of 13 short stories from the Master of Horror. Uh, this is on sale now, so go run out to your local haunt and buy a copy. And I'm going to be reading from the first short story, Throttle. And this is following this biker gang who's returning home. They a certain project of theirs went awry, some horrible things happened, and they're all kind of reeling from this. So now at this point, they're just trying to get home. But when they stop at this gas station, there's this big truck that's parked near them, and on the side of the truck is Laughlin. Those are the words, Laughlin. So in the short story, that truck is referenced several times, and basically uh, these bikers are in for quite the scare as this truck kind of attacks them. So I'm going to read from the section where the the truck starts to unleash its horror. All right, so. Vince heard the grinding thunder of a big engine behind him and took a long, lazy look back over his shoulder, just in time to see the truck come bearing down on them. Like a lion breaking cover at a watering hole where a bunch of gazelles were loafing. The tribe was rolling in bunches, as always, doing maybe 45 down the switchbacks, and the truck was rushing along at closer to 60. Vince had time to think he's not slowing down, and then Laughlin slammed through the three running at the back of the pack with an eardrum-stunning crash of steel on steel. Bikes flew. One Harley was thrown into the rock wall. The rider, John Kidder, sometimes known as Baby John, catapulting off it, tossed into the stone, and then rebounding and disappearing under the steel-belted tires of Laughlin's truck. 
Another rider, Doc, no, not Doc, was driven into the left lane. Vince had the briefest glance of Doc's pale and astonished face, mouth opening in an O, the twinkle of the gold tooth he was so proud of. Wobbling out of control, Doc struck the guardrail and went over his handlebars, flung into space. His Harley flipped over after him, the hard case breaking open and spilling laundry. The truck chewed up the fallen bikes. The big grill seemed to snarl. Truck snarling. Truck snarling, yeah. Scary truck. So... I'm not riding in that car anytime soon. No, not have complaints. I want the number for his driving. <laughs> the number is six six six. Six 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 six. Um, did you say when it was out? It's out October first, so it's on sale now. Exciting, and we have exciting library reads news about it. All right, so Joe Hill. Um, if you don't know Joe, Hill, I hope you do. He's, I think, one of the best horror authors working today. He's Stephen King's son. Yes, um, he wrote uh, Fireman. He wrote, uh, let's see, um, Strange Weather, Heart Shaped Box, uh, amongst many others. But the news is that Joe Hill is now officially a Library Reads Hall of Fame author, and you receive that distinction when. You have at least three books selected for the monthly library reads list. Full Throttle is Joe Hill's third book that was voted by public librarians as a library reads pick. So now he is a Hall of Fame author. So trust your librarians. You probably are a librarian if you're listening to this. Trust yourself. Check out this book. It's terrifying, but I think Joe Hill is just such a brilliant author and uh, really great characters as well. So highly recommend. Awesome. All right. Uh, next? Yes. Okay. All right. Hey, it's Virginia. Uh, if you are um, still listening. <laughs> okay, Linwood Barkley. Linwood Barkley, who has a line list of best-selling thrillers that he has written, uh, is back with a book called Elevator Pitch. Um, and it is, uh, it's about, um, guess, elevators. And we like to say that this book does what Psycho did for Showers and Jaws did for the beach. It is uh, a heart-pounding tale of, of a series of disasters that paralyzes New York City with fear. Um, so it starts on a Monday. Four people are in an elevator in Manhattan. Everybody presses the buttons for their floor. But the elevator proceeds nonstop to the top. And once there, well, let me just read what happens when they get to the top. The elevator sailed past the floors for the two women as well, but stopped at 29. Ah, come on, business guy said. This is ridiculous. He pressed the phone button. He waited a moment, expecting a response. Hello, he said. Anyone there? Hello? This is freaking me out, sneaker girl said, taking a cell phone from her purse. She tapped the screen, put the phone to her ear. Yeah, hey, Steve, it's Paula. I'm going to be late. I'm stuck in the fucking elevator. There was a loud noise from above, as though the world's largest rubber band had snapped. The elevator trembled for a second. Everyone looked up, stunned. Even Stuart, who had stopped trying to sell his idea to Sherry D'Agostino. Fuck, said the sneaker girl. What the hell was that, Sherry asked. Almost instinctively, everyone started backing up toward the walls of the elevator, leaving the center floor area open. They gripped at the waist-high brass 
Hanrails. It's probably nothing, Stewart said. A glitch, that's all. Hello, business guy said again. Is anyone there? For Christ's sake, this elevator's gone nuts. Sherry spotted the alarm button and pressed it. There was only silence. Shouldn't we be hearing that, she asked. The man said, maybe it rings someplace else, you know, so someone will come, down at the security desk, probably. For several seconds, no one said anything. It was dead silent in the elevator. Everyone took a few calming breaths. Stewart spoke first. Someone will be along. He nodded with false confidence and gave Sherry a nervous smile. Maybe this is what I should be riding. Up, the elevator began to plunge. Within seconds, it was going much faster than it was designed to go. Stuart and Sherry and the two others felt their feet lifting off the floor. The elevator was in free fall until it hit the bottom. What happened to them? Nothing. They, okay? they got off and they went and had a chicken sandwich. Okay, good. Yeah, I was no, really worried. No, no, no. Everything is okay. In our world, everybody lives always. There we go. Yes. You know, uh, so we've been talking about dreams, and it's very freaky because I had a dream the other day that I was in an elevator, and it went free fall. It was super freaky. And, um, and then the elevator was gone, and I was just going down the shaft, and uh, I was grabbing onto anything that I could grab hold of, and there were drapes, and I grabbed onto the drapes, and I, and I stopped falling. And I don't know what that means, but I'm going to tell you something. Elevator pitch has a whole new meaning to me by Lionel <laughs> Barkley. Anyway, um, he's he's terrific, and uh, the book is out. It's uh, just came out in September. Also, if um, you know uh, Carol Fitzgerald, who runs Book Report Network, she has started a really cool. A video series and she's interviewed Linwood Barkley so you can find that on her site bookreporter.com or you can go to Library Love Fest because we're sharing that on our site as well but it's a terrific it's a terrific um, interview he's very funny he's very laid back he was at ALA and he was super fun just a nice guy and it's I mean he's just such a talent and just you know his books are just you know hits it out of the park and also, we did a really interesting podcast episode for Thriller Fest where we interviewed authors about their books and then it was revealed after who they were. And you might hear Linwood Barclay on that, but you have to go find out. That was Lainey Mays' brilliant idea. Some were uh, really funny, actually, for like mystery. I don't know. You'll, you'll enjoy it. Go That's listen great. to that. It's on our podcast as well. Okay, ready for the third and final creepy one. And this one, you know, just letting you know, it's a creepy one. So if you can't do (laughs) super, super creepy and serial killer, turn away now and come back in about five, ten minutes for the rest of the podcast. Just keep your lights on. (laughs) So I'm going to talk about The Chestnut Man by Soren Zweistrup. And he is the creator of the hit TV series The Killing, if you're familiar with that. But this is his novel that is so creepy, and it's about to be a Netflix series, so everyone's going to want to know it. It's like 500 pages, and I read it in less than two days. You just keep turning. You need to know more. Um, It is set in Copenhagen, and it's about... It's got kind of two stories going on at once, so you start in the past, and then you're catapulted in the future when a killer starts coming back. But a woman who is big in the government has been gone for um, a year after her daughter went missing. They kind of assume that they have the right man and everything's done. Goes back to work and then a new killing spree happens. And these little chestnut men, which are chestnut matchstick characters that kids make, um, show up with her daughter's 
fingerprint on them. So how does she go along with these cases? It's so creepy. But you also have this relationship with the two sort of police. They're on the murder squad, so they're trying to figure it out. In a way, it kind of... Not really the the thrilling part of it, but the their relationship reminded me of Bones, the TV show, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of got this this good rapport between them, and they 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 don't necessarily like each other. It's great. Um, so you ready to hear really really creepy story? God, it's so creepy. Okay, so this is after the the prologue. I didn't want to start there. This is in the in present day. The voice is everywhere in the darkness. It whispers softly and mocks her. It picks her up when she falls and it whirls her around in the wind. Laura Keir doesn't see anymore. She can't hear the whistling of the leaves in the trees or feel the cold grass beneath her feet. All that is left is the voice, which keeps whispering between the bludgeon's blows. If she stops resisting, she thinks the voice might go quiet, but it doesn't. It keeps going and so do the blows until at last she can't move. Too late, she feels the sharp teeth of a saw bite hard around one of her wrists. And before she loses consciousness, she hears the mechanical noise of the saw blade and her own bones being severed. Afterward, she doesn't know how long she's been gone. The darkness is still there. So is the voice, and it's as though it's been waiting for her return. Are you okay, Laura? The tone is soft and affectionate and much too close to her ear. But the voice doesn't wait for an answer. For a moment, it removes the thing that was stuck over her mouth, and Laura hears herself begging and pleading. She doesn't understand anything. She'll do anything. Why her? What has she done? The voice says she knows that perfectly well. It bends down very close and whispers into her ear, and she can tell it has been looking forward to exactly this moment. She has to concentrate to hear the words. She understands what the voice is saying, but she can't believe it. The pain is greater than all the other injuries. It can't be that. It mustn't be that. She pushes the words away, as though they're part of the madness that engulfs her in the blackness. She wants to stand up and keep fighting, but her body gives in, and she sobs hysterically. She's known it for a while, yet somehow not, and only now, as the voice whispers it to her, does she understand that it's true. She wants to scream as loudly as she can, but her guts are already halfway up her throat. And when she feels the bludgeon stroke her cheek, she flings herself headlong with all her strength and staggers deeper into the gloom. Have a really swell day, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So that's it. Just a few announcements. (laughs) No. Lunch, anyone? It's, that is very, very surface level for this book. It gets deep. In the horror, so you mean the bone saw gets deep? That's what I was thinking, but I wasn't gonna go there. All right, sorry. But yes, you know this thing has gotten such great reviews. I mean, yeah. it, this was a big, big deal for us to to publish this book. So I don't know. I you know it's it's definitely got its readership, and it's a scary, scary book. If you like a scary book, this one delivers. Whoa. <laughs> So, those are our scary reads. Um, Full Throttle in October. Elevator Pitch and Chestnut Man are already out. They came out in September, so you can get those right now. So, that's it for our scary reads. Hope you have a great October. And don't go away. We have a call with a great librarian for our Page of Librarian segment. Bye, guys.
So now we have our page a librarian part of the podcast for our musings, and we have a very special guest. Today we have Greg Windsor. Greg is a reference librarian and with a reader's advisory emphasis for the Johnson County Library in Overland Park, Kansas, um, but also on the board for Library Reads. We're really glad to have you on. We, uh, we knew we had to have you because you do such a good job um, just talking about books. So, of course, we have to ask any HarperCollins books you're excited about right now. Well, uh, I really do want to congratulate you guys on having um, the October Library Reads list came out, and Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson was uh, was on there, and I'm so pleased to see it. It is just uh, a really amazing novel that I am really hope gets some attention and gets some love um, from fellow librarians. Um, it was one of those things where I, when I originally read the uh, the description of the book, I was interested. And uh, but then kind of put it aside, and then I got to see, got a chance to see him talk at the uh, book expo in uh, in back in the summer, and he was just so warm and wonderful and sincere and charming, and I'm like I just have to, after after listening to him speak, I decided I just absolutely have to read this book, and and not to not to put down you know authors they have books to sell, but sometimes you get the feeling that sometimes what they say is is kind of performative or just something that they've said before, going through the motions. But uh, I really think that Kevin Wilson just uh, blew, blew, blew the roof off the place. And he was just, like I said, funny and sincere and authentic and really from the heart. And that from the heartness is something that really uh, comes across in Nothing to See Here. And I really, again, this is going to be a great uh, uh, book club uh, pick for your uh, patrons. And I think it's going to be a really uh, great discovery for you. And um, I'm so glad I did. Um, it is uh, a very wry, kind of insightful, um, darkly funny novel with a very southern twist. It's a, a story fundamentally of female relationships and the difficulties of raising children. The basic pitch, if you haven't already uh, don't or haven't already read it, is about two friends who kind of grow up from opposite ends of the tracks. One of them's kind of a uh, kind of a privileged uh, little girl. The other one's kind of from a hard scrabble family. Uh, they both go to school together, but then have a falling out. And then years later, um, the, the the kind of more privileged one marries into a family with uh, with two children and uh, asks the other friend to kind of come and be a nanny or be a, a kind of a governess to these two children. The only problem is, is that these two children spontaneously combust. They burst into flames whenever they get stressed or, uh, or, uh, or in anguish. And it's a really wonderful um, metaphor for parenting. Um, I have two children of my own, and sometimes I know when, uh, when one of them is about to blow their stack, and I do feel like they're going to spontaneously combust. But uh, Kevin Wilson really writes um, in this wonderful, distinctive voice, and uh, I was just really charmed. Uh, by the whole thing. It was almost like uh, David Sedaris' essay coming to life. Um, I really enjoyed oh, that's it. That's awesome. Yeah, we're all big fans of Kevin Wilson here. Virginia did a really great interview with him um, for the podcast on the show floor at ALA. He was terrific. Um, we loved um, meeting him. You know, we all sort of, I think the three of us and, and you, Greg, I think we all had the same, you know, sort of experience of Kevin Wilson that, you know, we'd read the book and then meeting him just kind of put all the pieces together and just added such a another layer of understanding about um you know the book and also the writer behind it i mean he's just so warm and southern and funny and tender and sweet 
and shy and all those wonderful things. And then when he spoke, it was just, I think we all just fell in love with him. I, you know what I think is funny is that um, because this book is so hard to describe without people sort of giving you a funny look, you know, when you get around to tell them that the kids go on fire, but that the word that you've used is authentic says everything because it's so true. And you think, well, how can it be authentic? It's about these kids that go on fire and then the fire goes out and they're perfectly fine and they're not harmed. But the thing is that that voice is so real and that by the time, you know, you get to the part where these kids are starting to smolder, you kind of you're kind of already on for the ride. Well, I mean, we could go on and on, but if, well, we very special for my dark Vanessa because you gave a great quote for that one. Holy cats! Um, that one is absolutely amazing. It comes out, I believe, in January, if I'm not mistaken, January 2020. Uh, it is just, um, it is just one of the most astounding books I've read uh, in recent uh, recent memory. You know, it, it is uh, it is a bit of a challenging book. The uh, the setup is a, a young um, private school student um, is drawn into a, a sexual relationship with her older teacher, um, and uh, years later, that teacher is accused of assault by other students, and the main character kind of struggles to go public with her story, and so it kind of flashes back and forth in time a little bit. Um, and um, obviously it deals with um, some Me Too issues, but it is never titillating or exploitative. Um, Kate Elizabeth Russell takes great care in presenting these characters um, in an emotionally, you know, kind of a emotionally resonant way um, that really kind of explores every side of the issue and just, it is both of the moment and yet timeless. I think years later, um, it is still going to be looked at as just um, saying having something really strong to say about this particular moment in in, uh, in our culture and our time um, in our social views. But uh, it is just by itself an amazing, an amazing story. Um, and go ahead, if you're a librarian, go ahead and schedule this book for your book clubs right now because it is just it begs to be discussed and only begs to be. Uh, talked about, uh, shared with other people. I think this is going to be a wonderful word of mouth um, title for your for your patrons and well worth checking out. I don't even think we have anything to say. That was amazing. That's really wonderful. Thank you, Greg. That's yeah. uh, it's very generous from you, and uh, we believe me, we appreciate uh, everything that you do, and we know it's a sea of books out there, and there's only only so many minutes and hours in the day so uh we so appreciate the help of librarians to you know sort of winnow that down and tailor it to people's read reading uh, levels and interests so thank you so we're we're always fair so we also ask any publisher agnostic book any book you want to talk about right now absolutely for my for my publisher agnostic tale um every year um, when when fall starts kind of coming in, the leaves turn, the air turns a little crisp. Um, I read, I pull off a, a book on the shelf called Dark Harvest by Norman Partridge. It came out about over 10 years ago. It won the uh, Bram Stoker Award, which how it came uh, came on my radar. It's about a kind of a creature who is summoned uh, in the small town in rural 1960s in Indiana. Um, and this, the town elders stipulate that the teen who can bring this monster down gets a bus ticket out of town. And as the novel progresses, dark secrets, secrets about this ritual in this town emerge 
It's wonderfully atmospheric. It's reminiscent of kind of early Stephen King. It's dark, it's brooding, but it's also pulpy and just really kind of reminds me of, it's a very autumn, it's a very fall book. And I, and I just, something that I revisit every year and just am uh, completely in love oh, with. Wow. Now I'm ready for autumn. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this, this has been really great. Thank you for, for calling in and giving us some, some great reads and great thoughts on what you're reading. Have, have a good week. Thanks, Greg. Bye, Greg. Thank you.